Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga, Todd Cast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I have the pleasure of bringing Caitlin Burkhart onto the channel today. And so check Caitlin out at her website, uh, bodacitysportandsoul.com, and also her Instagram name is at bodacity underscore sports and soul. She's going to be teaching a transformational breathwork workshop here on Sunday, March 5th, just two days from now. Listening, if you're listening to this post March 5th, don't worry, I'm sure we'll be having her back. You can join in via Zoom, no matter where you are, it's going to be 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, we cover all this too uh, throughout the conversation. So on that note, I'm so excited to have you here, Caitlin. How are you doing? I'm so excited to be here. Thank Yay. you for having me. You are welcome. You know, uh, uh, today, this podcast release and in just two days, so on Sunday, March 5th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, you're going to be offering a transformational breathwork workshop here at our yoga studio, but it's also going to be live streamed so that some anyone can join anywhere in the world. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast today just to introduce our listeners to you and you to our listeners and and learn more about what, what you're interested in. So I'm, I'm curious, can you First of all, tell me how you got inspired to practice transformational breath work and or study transformational breath work. Sure. Um, in a nutshell, I basically was suffering from really chronic um, de suicidal depression and nothing worked. I had been in therapy for like 25 plus years. I'd been on and off medication um, and I had always taken really good care of myself, like physically. And so when I started to feel suicidal and sad again last year, I was like, this just doesn't make any sense. Like I shouldn't be feeling indifferent about living. And so I tried, I decided to do something different and I booked a retreat down in Costa Rica, um, where I did ayahuasca. But they also offered us two breathwork journeys on the first day and the last day. And so that was my first experience with breathwork. And the second, like that, after that first class, I was so blown away with the results of it. I was like, I have to learn how to do this to give this to my clients. Nice. Amazing. Can yeah. you Can you explain... There's a lot there. So let me, I'll get started on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> let me, let me first um, dig back a little bit uh, into at what point in your life was depression something that was apparent that you had? Like, are we going back to high school days? Are we going back to like eight years old? When do you remember having that recognition that? I have something that I'm trying to deal with here that's serious. Yeah. Yeah. It started, well, it started with eating disorders when I was like around 11. 
Um, and then my behavior started to also spiral. Um, but the depression probably reached its peak in high school. And I was hospitalized for that and my eating disorders three times um, wow. during high school. Wow. I was put into foster care because my behavior was so uncontrollable that my parents were like, we can't keep her home. I was engaging in very risky behaviors. Um, I never did drugs. That wasn't my thing. Um, but I was like hitchhiking and hanging out with pretty bad people. Um, yeah. and just putting myself in harm's way, like pretty regularly. And so, um, depression and anxiety just became like a part of my life forever. After that, um, I maintained, um, therapy with two therapists and, um, it would kind of come and go. Like I would manage it and be like, okay, I need to make an appointment with my therapist. And then it would just, but it was never like gone. It was always there. And, um, as an adult, I have suffered from adrenal fatigue, which is basically when like you have a nervous breakdown and your whole, your nervous system gets so over fried and overworked that, um, your body kind of starts to shut down. Yeah. And, um, I just decided back in 2022, like the, everything I've tried so far isn't working. Like, yeah. why don't I feel better yet? Yeah. So um, going to that retreat in Costa Rica, it is a place called Rhythmia. It's um, a medically licensed retreat and they actually hold a lot of data on everybody that goes there. Mm. And one of the most interesting facts they told us is that they turn away 22 people a day from doing ayahuasca journeys, which is a um, pretty hardcore psychedelic plant medicine. Yeah. So they have to turn away people daily from there um, for whatever reason, medical or whatever. And those people, they gave them five nights of breath work instead and all of them had the same exact outcomes and comparable experience that we all had taking the ayahuasca. Yeah. It's powerful. And I can attest to that. Yeah. So you had the opportunity to participate in an ayahuasca ceremony as well as then when you were not under the influence of the ayahuasca, you also underwent these breathwork sessions. And then if you were to make a comparison of the experiences from each, what were the pros and cons? So the way that plant medicine and breath work, um, the way that they work on your brain is actually very similar mm. because there's basically, you have your amygdala, which is like your fear center of your brain that holds a lot of your emotions. And then you have your logical center or prefrontal cortex. And normally they're not talking to each other. They're just like this one, the fear one is getting information first. And then this one, the logical one gets information second. And when you're doing ayahuasca or plant medicine or breath work, what happens is those two parts finally converge. Mm. And so you're kind of able to have um, a conversation with parts of yourself, like as a third party. So you can go back into a moment in your childhood and go, oh, I didn't have the capacity to handle this as a child because I wasn't in control. But now I'm an adult and I can see how this story no longer serves me. Mm. I'm going to let that go right now. Yeah. 
And the other thing about plant medicine and breath work, the way that they're similar is they're deeply somatic. So it's a very visceral experience with both of them. Um, however, with ayahuasca, you, you purge a lot differently. Like there's vomiting, there's, there's pooping, um, and you're stuck. So when things start to get too heavy, you're stuck on that trip for like, who knows on six, 10, 12 hours sometimes. Yeah. And with breath work, you're, you're much more in the driver's seat because yeah. you can just switch up your breathing and you can take a break if you need to, and then go back into it when you're ready. Are you open to speak about what your ayahuasca experience was like? Sure. Um, I did four of them. Um, well, we started with breath work on the first night and I didn't know it at the time, but I had three rheumatoid arthritis flare ups in my wrist, hip and shoulder. Um, and it was to the point where I was limping. I couldn't lift my arm up and I was kind of concerned. I'm like, how am I going to be able to do anything this week? How will I do yoga? And after that first breathwork class, all three of my flares were pretty much gone. Wow. And I was able, and they were gone forever, completely the next morning. So the next morning I was fully functional, able to do yoga. Um, it was like, they never happened. Um, that's my, amazing. I, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Because what breathwork does is it makes you so alkaline temporarily that all of your cells become extra oxygenated and disease really can't live in an alkaline environment. Yeah. So it's like an incredible anti-inflammatory. Nice. And then on my um, ayahuasca journeys, what I discovered was, I mean, I discovered a lot of stuff, but like the first place we went to was back into the womb. And um, I learned that my a lot of my depression wasn't, in fact, mine. It had been passed down to me generationally through the womb. Yes. And so I was able to um, purge that and get that out. But the thing that a lot of people <laughs> mistake with things like ayahuasca is that it's going to make all of your problems go away. And it doesn't do that because my life, in fact, completely fell apart in the next three months after returning home from that um, retreat. Wow. Because And using because, breath work. Uh, Sorry, what yeah. were you going to say? I was just going to say, uh, was it, do you think that was a outcome of the work that you did during that retreat or is it more just circumstantial things that occurred, like, I don't know, I had to leave my apartment, I had to, or my house, or I had to, I lost my job, or uh, like, do you, do you think that the, the, those three months post that experience were because you were trying to get grounded after that experience, or like come to terms with what you felt and learned, or was it, did it feel disconnected, like not necessarily connected to that? It was a thousand percent connected to it. Um, and at the time I was really confused because I was like, okay, well, my depression's gone. Like life should be good now. But um, I actually ended up getting really sick with the rheumatoid and also PCOS. And I was running a massage therapist and personal training business up north, um, but I couldn't work because my hands would flare. Mm. Um, what else happened? So I had to close my business. 
I was in so much pain. I couldn't take care of myself. Um, but what that was teaching me was that I needed to make a change basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, ayahuasca and even breath work, what they do is they, they change your frequency and your vibration. And so after I did all of that healing that week in Costa Rica, my entire vibration had changed and was different. Like you are, cause you're your true self after you heal from things. And, um, you can't, <laughs> you can't remain well in the same environment that made you sick. Mm, good point. So um, basically what my soul and what my body was telling me was, you can't stay here anymore. You need to do something different. And I had always been wanting to move to Florida um, or California. And basically the rheumatoid ended up pushing me down here because this is where my mom lives. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. I hear you. I've heard people say from the plant medicine experiences like, be careful because like it, it, it can have this sort of effect of like what your what you experience. But I guess why I guess maybe don't need to be careful of that is that if you do make a positive change, that's a positive thing. But I can see where that can be fairly tumultuous to re-navigate or to navigate through through that territory. Yeah. Yeah. And they told us to, um, and to, to continue helping us integrate because it is, it's like doing 20 years of therapy whenever you do something as hardcore as psychedelics. Um, and it takes your brain a long time to kind of like reshape itself and reorganize. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why they call it integration after you do things like that. Yeah. And doing breath work regularly after that experience not only helps you kind of like readjust and um rewire your your brain but it um it helps you take your own control back because a lot of people end up chasing plant medicine as a pill like a magic pill and i've actually done uh, several <laughs> more ayahuasca ceremonies and mushrooms. Um, and they're not a pill. They're not a pill. They are a tool. They're like your teachers. And so what happens when you get taught something, you have to learn how to implement that into your life. Your teachers can't do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I'm, so I'm curious then with transformational breath work, what are the main characteristics of this technique that make it quote transformational breath work okay so there's many many types of breath work um the one that i well i'm going to teach us at the workshop um a few different kinds like i'm going to teach people um how to breathe for core stability and pelvic floor strength there's ways to breathe to downregulate your nervous system, to upregulate your nervous system and balance your nervous system. Um, transformational breath work is under the umbrella of what is called conscious connected or conscious circular breathing. So what that means is you are basically breathing in succession. Once one breath ends, another begins um, and it's just continuous. So 
what it does is it puts your body into a state of stress, um, but you're doing it consciously. So it's a little different. If you get a panic attack, your breath is controlling you and breathing you and you're freaking out. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you go in to do transformational breath work and you're like, I'm going to breathe this fast on purpose, you're taking your control back and you're breathing the breath. Yes. Got it. So, um, the method that I use is a three-part breath. That's all done through an open mouth. Um, we basically breathe deep into the belly, up into the heart, and then the exhale just falls away. And there's a lot of things happening as you breathe that way continuously for 40 minutes. Yes. That's so interesting because, you know, we, we, um, had an opportunity to host someone here teaching breath work and it was under a different title. And it sounds like it was exactly the same thing as transformational breath work, just that somebody changed the name of it. Maybe there's mm -hmm. like a trademark thing with it or is, is that, is like, that, is that something with this, with the transformational breath work where it's like trademark, like you have to take a training under a trademarked transformational breath work teacher to then be able to use the words transformational, uh, breathing. Uh, maybe, uh, well, like Wim Hof, for example, is mm -hmm. the same kind of breathing. Got so it. he's conscious circular breathing. Yeah. Um, that's holotropic cool. breathing. Mm -hmm. That's also conscious circular breathing. So holotropic and transformational is more or less the same. There's some differences. So with holotropic breathing, um, you can either breathe through your nose or your mouth. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they just use a two-part breath. So it might be like a big inhale and exhale. So... <sighs> Um, the music I think is a lot more intense with holotropic, um, and they're longer holotropic breathwork sessions go for like two hours and you're wow. just breathing like that for two hours wow. and they'll use art. So a lot of times in the circles afterwards, they'll have people draw or paint, um, and talk and things like that to help like begin integrating from the breathwork journey. Got it. The way that I was taught, and I, I had two different trainings that I went through. Um, I went through one with Rebecca Kordecki, um, and I went through a second one that was much more involved with Breathmasters based out of Bali. Mm. They basically taught us um, the art of a playlist. So the playlists that I create for these journeys are all done with intention and purpose. And the music itself will actually take you on a journey and support your journey with the lyrics and the, the vibes and the melodies, the harmonies. Um, so I create a playlist for every single journey that I take people on. Um, and then there's also my facilitation. So while you're breathing, I am guiding you and saying things like, you are worthy. You are enough. And it's time to forgive that person that hurt you. It's time to forgive yourself. Keep going. You've got this. Um, and that helps you to rewire your subconscious. Very cool. Yeah. 
Have you had any experience with the, what is that called? There's, I know there's like a specific term for it, like where the hands will like crab claw up. Like sometimes the extremities will get that like really intense cramping experience. Do you know what that, what is that called? And there's like a. Yeah. Has that happened to you? It has. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's a little intense. Um, Like it's, it's a bit like, whoa. What is, yeah. What's going to happen? Like is my whole body going to do this? What have you, what has been your experience with that? Yeah. Um, So that is completely normal. It's called tetany. And the reason that that happens is it's because we are messing with the gas exchange. So basically we are, we're building carbon dioxide levels up in your body a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're constricting the way that we're breathing is constricting all of your blood vessels. And so sometimes it will make people cramp. Um, But all, it's not permanent. And if it's too much for some people, then I just tell them, so get off the ride, change up your breath, let your hands kind of come back and then go right back in. Another reason cramping can happen during a breathwork journey is a vitamin deficiency. Mm. Um, so if you're like dehydrated, um, it could be like magnesium, zinc, electrolytes that can also, um, add to any cramping that happens, but it's totally normal and it's not going to happen forever. Got it. There's no ill health effects from having that happen. No, it's really just, um, because of your blood vessels being constricted. And then also you can slow down too. So if people start to cramp too much and it gets too intense, instead of going, you can just slow down a little bit yeah, and that will kind of lessen the intensity of it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. How do you explain the lessening of depression linked to going into a breath work session? Okay. So our bodies, our bodies hold on to everything, whether we realize it or not. And even if you are in a situation that let's say you you're in like a frightening situation or you're at a, you're in a place and you're uncomfortable in that place, you might unconsciously hold your breath because you're uncomfortable in that place. While you're holding your breath and your diaphragm is constricting, you might even go like this with your shoulders to kind of protect yourself. Um, All of those emotions are being, can be stored in those places that you're constricting if you don't let them go. And what happens with trauma is your, the, the event is either so large that your nervous system hasn't been able to discharge it fully yet. Or if it's complex trauma, it's just getting assaulted like consistently and you're not able to um, shake it off. So the way that breath work helps with depression is, or anxiety or insomnia or eating disorders or anything, um, it really comes back to getting back in your body 
and allowing yourself to really lean into that discomfort. And then you're able to grieve during the breath work and your body, it has such a a physical experience. Like there's shaking, there's vibrating, there's tingling. Um, people cry. We do, we do add in some yelling to get out any residual anger. Um, and that's how you free yourself with the breath. Got it. Have you noticed since it sounds like your first breath work experience was a, a year ago? It sounds like maybe 2022, did you say? Yeah, it was a little over a year ago. Yeah. How has this year been practicing breath work? What sort of ups and downs have you noticed, or has there been a leveling out? Wow. So. Actually, my first weekend doing my training, um, it was on Zoom and um, my dog died in the middle of the training. So he was with us on Friday and then he was not there with us on Saturday. And I decided to go continue with the training. Sorry to hear that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I know. I have a dog. So before I had a dog, when people told me about their pet passing, I didn't understand and now I understand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a big deal. it's one of the worst <laughs> days of your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was horrible. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. But I'm grateful for the timing of it because I it happened during my training. And so I got two breathwork journeys that weekend. And being able to do breathwork on the day that he passed away and again the next day. I was able to move through so much of my grief yeah. and I could actually feel his energy with me in the room. That's how transcending breath work is because you, you do go to an altered state of consciousness. You can reach the astral planes <laughs> and these higher planes when you're doing breath work. Yes. I agree so it with helped you. me immensely. The first time I did the breath work class, like what you're explaining with the technique, I was amazed at how intense it was. Like I didn't think I've practiced pranayama and I've been practicing pranayama for years. It's just a different type of technique. So when I went into the transformational style breathing, I just thought I'll be fine. Like what what are they talking about? Why is everybody saying like, I mean, and yeah, it's kind of, it's amazing how powerful it is. So then I didn't want to interrupt you though. I'm sorry. So after that experience and over this last year, is it something that you can do on your own or do you have a deeper experience when you're facilitated by somebody or with somebody? You can do it on your own. I actually did it by myself two days ago. Um, and I was able to really work through some shit. <laughs> and I think I saw your Instagram post from that day. We were like, I was on the floor sobbing. And oh. Here I am on the beach, like rolling around in my own snot. Like I was a mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? I was able to really get through something that day. Um, cool. And it's funny you asked me that because I, I did, and I've done breath work by myself before, like that, a bunch of times to my playlist. Um, and the music will kind of carry me, but it is so special to have another person there with you, for you, holding space for you, encouraging you, because I, I wanted to quit. Like 
like a whole bunch of times. Um, and so it would have been really nice to have another person there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people <laughs> I'm noticing they get really shy and uncomfortable about doing this in groups because they're afraid of being vulnerable like that in front of strangers. And one thing I can tell you is the group environment adds this whole other layer of love and connection that we as people aren't getting in our lives anymore. And you really start to notice like, oh, I'm not alone in my journey. I'm not alone in my struggles. People, look at this. People do actually care. Um, and it's just so beautiful. Like I, That's why I'm so excited to be doing this live in studio with you. I haven't been able to do a live group since August up in Boston. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yay. That's awesome, Caitlin. It's just a beautiful, um, you're kind of all in ceremony together. That's basically exactly what it feels like. And you're holding space for yourselves and each other. And to be vulnerable like that and to be brave like that with your other humans is just so incredibly beautiful. And I'm deeply grateful that I get to witness that kind of miracle in my work. That's really neat, Caitlin. You made a comment that we don't, there's things in life that we aren't getting that we need, or at least that's what I, I understood that you were saying is that like, maybe there's certain elements that, I mean, obviously as a massage therapist, you're aware of how important touch is and And we also, I think probably everybody in the globe right now is really aware of what isolation can do from a personal experience in relation to what happened with COVID, how that's not super healthy. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, so is that, what are some of the things that you are witnessing in our current culture that you think we don't get enough of in addition to maybe those two things that we mentioned, touch and sense of community? Mm, I know touch is so huge too. Um, in our culture, you know what? I feel like our culture in many ways is going kind of backwards a little bit. I think that, um, I think that cancel culture is actually pretty toxic. I think that it leaves like no room for error in people. And so people are now afraid to speak up for fear of being ridiculed or punished. Um, It also tells us that we have to be perfect. We're not allowed to make mistakes. And of course we are. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing here in life is making mistakes and learning from them. Um, Yeah, that's a good point. I think, yeah. The other thing I think is, aside from what we just said, like emotional awareness and emotional intelligence, I think critical thinking has kind of gone out the window in the last couple of decades. (laughs) Um, Our educational system, I feel, has really made us more of like memorizers. Yeah. Like we're not taught to think for ourselves. We're taught to be controlled, sit there, don't say anything. Don't argue with the teacher. Don't argue with your boss. And it's like, sometimes they're wrong though. Or like, what if there's a gray area here? We're not allowed to even talk about it. Um, and so I think critical thinking skills and the ability to receive and be open to other people's opinions without getting like fired up about it or triggered 
that's something else I think we all need to work on. Yeah. Great points. And even while you're talking about that, it made me think about the chat GPT. Are you, are you hip to that? What's that? Chat GPT is an AI technology that now, for example, um, you have to write a paper in school. So you go into chat GPT and say you have to write a paper about mockingbirds. So you just write in um, mockingbirds. What are, what are the traits of a mockingbird? And the AI takes all of the information from the entire internet world and it will write a paper for you about the mockingbird and then you can hit the reset button and it'll completely rewrite a whole new thing so that no two papers are the same. They're trying to outlaw it in New York now because kids in school, I mean, like remember back in the day when we had to read a book and write a book report, like, yeah, that's just like out the door now. Totally out the door. You know, I mean, so on some levels, I agree with you because I watch with my own children in terms of what they have to do for schooling and the memorization process. It's grueling for them. It's so, I mean, I understand, I understand that we need to study in the process of using our brains and memorizing something is a good thing for mental development. So I'm a hundred percent in favor of memorization, but I agree with you also a lot that it's just become rotely memorization, all memorization. So, but the chat GPT element is phenomenal. And I mean, even what we need to start paying attention to now, even as people are using social media is that you can go in and you can have chat GPT, write Your social media posts for you. So now instead of actually being a human being and writing Mm. what your thoughts and feelings are, you can go in and say, write about transformational breath work on chat GPT. And it'll write this really awesome little paragraph for you and you can just copy paste, put on your social media and boom. So it's from what I understand from all the social media people, what they're saying is that it's actually cool because you can just build up what you already have. Like it, it's, um, you know, you can use it to help add into what you're trying to do, but we, in essence, it's allowing for us to never actually be human. Like we don't even have to like write down our thoughts or express our thoughts more. Hence why I do believe something like this medium of where we're actually having a conversation. Like we're not able to type into the computer and say, here, speak for me and act like me and ask you the next, you know what I mean? Like we're right. still using our brains right now, but right. I don't know. It's crazy. I, I didn't want you to take us too far off into the weeds over there, but um, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, I think if you go online and type in open AI or open source AI, something like that, it's totally free, but eventually they're going to charge you to use it. But anyway. Yeah. Um, The other thing I think we're missing is our sense of agency. And the, in my brand, what I'm trying to build or, or attract is I'm trying to attract people who are willing to do their work to become healthier, to become more emotionally regulated, to become more successful in their lives. Um, I feel like I feel like we just give our power away so freely to the medical community, to the pharmaceutical industry, to the government. Um, (laughs) And I'm not trying to sound like a wacko (laughs) conspiracy person, (laughs) but like, um, you know, it's like when you go to the doctor for complaints, like I went to the doctor for my rheumatoid and they like didn't do anything aside from run like four blood tests and then just offer me pills 
And to be honest with you, I have not once taken one pharmaceutical medication for my rheumatoid. I have done all of my own treatment with um, trauma release, nutrition, and movement. Mm. And it's going away on its own. That's cool. I'm glad you're bringing and that up. When, you know what I mean? Like yep. if people are constantly seeking somebody else to fix their stuff. Yes. Where great. does that get you? It's a great point. The, uh, and I like that you use the word agency. And I just came across that from reading Gabor Mate's work. Are you, are you <gasps> hip him. to, oh, I figured you had to already be reading him based on everything you've already said, but isn't he amazing? Yeah, he's in ayahuasca too. Yeah. I just read and mushrooms. The, yeah. the Myth of Normal by him. Have you read his new book, The Myth of Normal? It's on my list, but I am okay, cool. I'm very aware of his what, book. Yeah, what, I love him. What about The Body Keeps the Score? I have not read that one yet. Have you read that? Yeah, I've read that one. What are your thoughts on that book? Someone else told me they said, I keep that book by my nightstand. Like, so yeah. good. Yeah. That helped me a lot actually with, um, yeah, with just understanding everything and how we, uh, and it made me understand too, like why regular psychotherapy never worked for me. Mm. <laughs> you can't explain your pain away. Like if my dog dies, I can't just say to myself, well, get up. of course you're sad. Your dog died. So just stop being sad about it. I have to grieve. I have to cry. I have to sob and wail because that's how it's going to get out of my body. You know I, what I mean? I do. And so the, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like the body keeps the score. It gives you such a better understanding of how trauma affects our bodies and our minds and how you need to get both of them together in order to fully release it. How has your understanding of trauma-aware approach in relation to your body work and or your own healing process evolved in the last few years? Wow. I feel like um, becoming a polarity therapist was really the thing that changed how I viewed massage and touch. Can you explain polarity therapy? Because I, I keep seeing that. I don't really know what that is. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I think I'm gonna <laughs> I think I'm going to try to um put together a polarity workshop that maybe cool. I can do it at your place too because that, nobody knows what it is and it's like the best kept thing. That'd be great. Um how how do you explain it? Polarity therapy I'll tell you the history about it, but it was developed by an osteopathic chiropractor, um, Randolph Stone, back in like the 60s. Um, so it's not that old. He basically was getting tired of treating people and them not getting results. So he traveled the world like 16 times and he just trained hardcore with like every guru in Asia, India, um, Western doctors, everybody. And he pulled aspects from, from Buddhism and Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and yoga and put it all together into one thing. So the pillars that we use in polarity therapy, um, and it is considered an energy medicine, is we use dialogue or counseling 
Then we have a bodywork component. Um, and then we also have nutrition and movement because you need to do all of those things to create change in somebody's life in their fields. And one of our things in there is giving people back their agency through dialogue. Very cool. Good explanation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, it's like a really hard thing to explain. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, well, like, I, are there four pillars? You said so: diet and movement. Are those each a separate uh -huh. one? And then you said dialogue, agency. What was the or the the agent agency through dialogue? What was the fourth one? Body work. Body work. And then in relation to the body work element. What type of body work? Anything and everything? Just touch in general, or does it have a specific focus in relation to like deep tissue, or more like uh, cranial sacral style, like light, really light touch? Is there is there like some specific body work method or technique that's that's utilized? There is. So we utilize several different um, kinds of touch um, based on Ayurveda. So we have rajasic, tamasic. Is any of this familiar because of yoga? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. rajasic so is like the high energy. Tamasic is the low, sattvic in the middle, lucid, clear. Yeah, so with our touch, any with our dialogue, like those three gunas are kind of like in everything that we do. So in, in um, the communication piece, for example, depending on who you are or what you're going through, you might need me to be tamasic when I'm speaking to you. You might need me to be like, listen, Todd, you said you wanted to get more inner peace, but here you are doing X, <laughs> Y, and Z. So, you know, or that might not resonate with you. I might need to be more sattvic with you and say like, okay, you know, I'm hearing that you're, you're struggling with this and we, how can we get you to where you want to be? And it's the same thing with our touch. So like tamasic, we use kind of like a deeper touch. Sophic is like very light, um, comforting. And then rajasic is very like stimulating. And depending on what pressure points or five elements that I'm working with or what your field tells me, like no session is ever the same. Um, I, I kind of just implement whatever your field does wants me to do. Very cool. What type of training did that entail? Was that like an in-house studio, in-person training, online training? How does that work? That training was both. So it's on, I did the Zoom for a lot of lectures, but then we also had two or three uh, in-person practicums where we could really get more hands-on. Um, I work pretty closely with my instructor, Brian, um, and I might be a teacher's assistant for his upcoming class. And it's actually, it's kind of like a bachelor's degree in medicine. Like, I'm not even done. I yeah. just, I yeah. just completed like level one. I still have two more years to go. Got it. Yeah. It's an intense program. Yeah. That's good. I was just thinking too, when you mentioned nutrition, I mean, that's such a huge subject in and of itself. So yeah. to, uh, I, I'm happy to hear that it's not like, uh, it's like a single weekend. And then all of a sudden I'm like a master nutritionist, body worker, counselor, and physical fitness instructor all in one day. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. something that obviously takes some time to, to, to harness. Yoga actually complements it like super, super well. Um, 
so like the movement component and a lot of it is esoteric and you can kind of make it your own thing. So like I'm, I'm a nutrition certified through, sorry, my dog. It's all right. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm um, nutrition certified through precision nutrition. Um, and so a lot of the concepts that I use with nutrition are based on that. Sometimes I might tell somebody like, okay, like to support your water element, I suggest you eat um, like watery foods like cabbage or lettuce. Yes. Um, but you can kind of make all of that your own thing. He does use yoga movements and poses to also support people's energy shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And you also mentioned functional mobility training and or that you coach people in, in, in that world of fitness. What is your preferred or maybe you you like to utilize a ton of different approaches, but do you have a preferred method of working out, <laughs> exercising? Yeah, I lift. <laughs> yeah. I lift weights. You're I lift weightlifter. heavy stuff. You're a heavy weightlifter. Yeah. How did that, um, where did that come in? Weightlifting actually was like the first thing to get me on my healing journey, believe it or not. The thing about weightlifting is you learn so much about life. And this has been scientifically proven, actually. Like there's studies that show a heavy crossover between people who do resistance training and how it teaches them discipline, self-confidence, consistency, um, resiliency, and even body awareness. Because, you know, I always check in with myself, like, okay, how is my body today? Do I have it in me to go for this personal record? Or do I need to, like, stay where I'm at? Yeah. Cool. And when you lift like 400 pounds, you can't help but feel like a total badass. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to come out in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that because in the yoga world where we get really, we can get really clicky and snobby, kind of like maybe a weightlifter might be like, I'm not doing yoga. Or a yoga person might be like, I'm not doing weights. And yeah. I like the fact that you brought up that you can learn a lot about yourself and it makes sense because no matter what we do physically, if we're like really getting into the dynamic of physics and the experience of like getting our mind and body connected to actually pull the sport off that we're doing, mm -hmm. I can see where like, obviously whether you're a skateboarder, surfer, figure skater, weightlifter, yogi, gymnast, like it's, it kind of all does have the same essence in a way. W would you agree? Yeah. I love yoga too. I do yoga. Um, <laughs> right. I do. Well, yeah. I've done yoga there with you guys. <laughs> um, the, I love yoga because it allows you to get into your body in a different way than strength training. Yeah. It yeah. allows you to be soft with yourself um, and to listen more to like pieces of your body. And actually yeah. in The Body Keeps the Score, he strongly recommends that people do yoga, mm. especially people who are disassociated from their bodies. Got it. Because um, it will help bring you back to that. That makes sense. 
Yeah. Uh, that, that book is on my list, like maybe two or three books away. So I can't wait to do that one. <laughs> so many books, right? <laughs> so many books. So many books. Not enough time. Not enough time. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to like just win like a one week lottery? And then like you're, and they said like the only way you can cash this one week lottery chip in is you have to read for the whole week. Like you got to read eight hours a day. <laughs> that would be like, right? that'd be like a dream come true for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Bill Gates say something like, um, if I could have one superpower, it would be to absorb information from books in seconds. Oh man. Right. You know, I knew somebody be down for that. I had a massage client that. I was told prior to working with him, don't ask him any questions because he knows everything. And I thought, Ugh. wow, that's such a egotistical outlook on life. And so I, he was a very wealthy individual. And so I decided, let me, um, I'll, I'll abide. I'll play by the rules. So I just didn't say anything. And during the sessions, the the TV was on, there was a newspaper and the telephone. And so he would be like listening, reading, and then taking phone calls all during. And so at first I was turned off. I was kind of like, geez, you know, because sometimes the body workers were like, this is a chance for you to actually turn off all of that extraneous right. stuff and actually pay attention to like what you're feeling. And right. So I'll think like that's maybe the ideal and, um, but then when he started to ask questions and the doorway opened up and then I started to ask questions, he actually is one of the smartest people I'd ever met in terms of knowing information about everything. I couldn't even believe it. Like, and I realized like the guy wasn't joking when he said to me, don't ask him anything because he already, he's already read about, you know, so I'm not saying that that's my deal. I mean, that's a little intense. I want to try to be present and not always engaged in, you know, my mind somewhere else. But I just thought that was interesting. But you know what? Like, here's something that one of my coaches told me. Yeah. So, like, if this is everything there is to know in the whole universe, right? You're holding up a circle on a piece of paper because some of this will be yeah, audio. I mean, some, some people might not be watching us, but I just wanted to – I'll narrate the visual. Yeah. <laughs> so, As here's my circle. Here's yeah. everything in the whole universe to know. <laughs> and then we have what we know that we know here. A little circle inside the circle. Yeah. So like, I know that I know how to give a massage. I know that I know how to ride a bike. Then we have what we don't know or what we know that we don't know. Slightly bigger circle inside the circle. So I know that I don't know how to give brain surgery. Yeah. I know that I don't know how to fly a plane. Then we have <laughs> all of this. Here is everything that we don't even know that we don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for yeah. that guy, even though he's super smart, yes. he doesn't know. He, still he doesn't is, even know what he doesn't he know. Still doesn't, yeah. Great answer, Caitlin. And I like the visual. I like that you pulled out a nice blue blue marker as well. You got some color going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so rule number one, never say, don't ask me a question because I already know the answer. It's just a very, that's a slippery slope, isn't it? 
Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> why aren't you open to receiving new information? Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. How do you know what you know is true or correct? Well, good, great point. He doesn't know. Yeah. Well, on that line of thinking, when you're feeling like, I mean, I'm just gathering based on what you've said to me. And, and then I've also, you know, I've, I've had my bouts with depression. So I feel like I can relate. So when you're in those dark nights of the soul moments where yeah. those questions yeah. are coming up, what do I even know? How do I even, you know what I mean? Where you're really in this weird place of like questioning everything. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. What is your current technique for reeling yourself back in? Uh, I know you, and I know you gave me tons of different things that you're doing. And I love that. Like your life has informed your career choices in relation to learning and teaching body work, breath work, uh, physical fitness and training for polarity therapy. But, um, like for some of us, like questioning and awa becoming aware of all the things that we don't know, sometimes it almost gets overwhelming and we don't need to even think about anything. Like don't ask totally. any deep questions when you're in that place, right? Like yeah. what, what, what have you noticed with all that? <laughs> I feel like my best friend said this to me once. She was like, there is a very fine line between spirituality and insanity. Mm. And I, I feel like I ride that line every day <laughs> when I think about like all, all the stuff that I know now, even about myself, uh, um, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff to know. Um, I kind of <laughs> wish I didn't know it, but I can't unknow it. Yeah. Uh, good point. Good point. And then you're like, man, I don't need, why are we here? Who put me here? Yeah. What's out there? Who's out there? I don't know. It's too much. Um, yeah. So I get it. I yeah. get very overwhelmed too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, it seems like you're in a pretty grounded place right now though. I'm, I'm trying. I'll yeah. Try um, right. I'm trying to do a lot. You know, I moved right. down here a year ago. Um, so I'm restarting my whole business up from scratch. Yeah. Um, I don't know anybody down here. And so I am like so extremely grateful for you Aww. extending this opportunity to me. Cool, Caitlin. Um, like truly, I'm so excited Aww. and deeply grateful. All right. Well, heard. And yeah. thank you so much for, for, uh, for, for being here now and for sharing. And, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I liked all yeah, your answers. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thank you. So, and, and on that note, we're coming in close on our hour mark. And I know we both scheduled in about an hour to chat with each other. And so I'm super excited to have you here that you listening, if you want to join in, you'll see the link on our website, nativeyogacenter.com. You'll see on there transformational breath work workshop with Caitlin Burkhart. So it should be pretty easy. Um, any other, anything you want to leave us with Caitlin? Any other uh, comments, yeah. thoughts? Yeah, please. Um, well, in addition to offering all of these things that I do here in Florida, I am also launching a retreat business of my own. Because I felt like after going to several retreats 
there was just some things that I loved and didn't love and um, about each one, even the one in Costa Rica, like super great, but it was way too structured. And I would have liked to have a little more downtime. Um, so I'm starting my first retreat up in April in Cape Cod in Boston. Um, it's three days, two nights. Um, we're going to be offering body work with energy work, nutritious, organic food, mobility workshops, um, breath work journeys. There's also going to be some psilocybin. Um, what else? I have several workshops planned to give people back their agency and how to take care of themselves better um, moving forward after the retreat. But my goal is to really just like blow people's minds and help them find their way back to themselves so that they can live a fuller life. Nice, Kaylin. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, that sounds amazing. I know you said that that retreat information is going to be on a separate website that will be available very soon. Remind me the name of your current website. My website's name is Bodacity Sport and Soul, giving you the bodacity to transform your life, but it's spelled B O D A C I T Y sport and soul. Um, yeah, cool. I'm really happy to be there and awesome. maybe meet awesome. some people and change some lives. Cool, Caitlin. Well, thank you so much. And I'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, I'll see you Sunday. Thank you. All right. I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time. 